0: When I went through this time of brokenness and understanding who God was, my entire world changed. And I realized that it wasn't my world, and it was His world, and it was a privilege to be a part of that. And that every decision needed to start with Him and stay at His feet and end there.
1: Hello and welcome to First Person, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we'll meet a young man from India. Ralph Bourdais will be with us of the ministry As Our Own and we'll learn about, among other things, the rescue of children from the sex trade in India. Now, of course, this is Mother's Day weekend, and part of what you'll hear today will give you the opportunity to give a very special gift in honor of your mom. And if you can't wait to find out what that is, just go to our website, FirstPersonInterview.com, and follow the links to As Our Own. The website also contains an archive of past interviews. You can listen online anytime or download the podcast through iTunes. Once again, that's FirstPersonInterview.com. I've known today's guest for a few years now, and I'm always impressed with how God uses him in his homeland of India, even though that's not what he intended to do with his life. Ralph came to the States for an education, had a great corporate job, but then God began to redirect him, and I asked him when the Lord began speaking to him about making a change. You know, he has always been a, uh, a part of my life,
0: and uh, I grew up in a Christian family, and uh, you know, my, uh, my dad was a pastor, uh, my mom was born into a Hindu family. And um, it, it, by God's grace, I was orphaned at a very young age. I actually see God's sovereignty in that. And uh, uh, grew up in a Christian orphanage. I came to know the Lord as her Savior when she was about 12. And my mom and dad were married in an arranged marriage. So within eight days of seeing each other and liking each other, they, they got married. And, um, uh, you know, my brother and I were born to them. And so I grew up in a, a, a strong Christian home. But my dad died when I was about three and a half years old. Mm. And it was a really difficult time for my mom, Uh, you know, an orphan before, now a widow with two fatherless children. And uh, it was a time that my dad's death was a time where the Lord drew my mother very close to him. And my mother started just pouring through scripture, fasting and praying so intense that she would pass out. And um, she told the Lord, you're all I had before. You're all I have now. Uh, I was an orphan before. Now I'm a widow with two fatherless children. And uh, I'm just going to depend on you. So she started fasting and praying, asking for three things, a a job so she could provide for us, a place to live so she could bring us all up in the Lord, and um, uh, just a good English education for my brother and me, because that puts you in a a great situation.
1: In India, that's very highly regarded, right?
0: Absolutely. It is one of the the top uh, things that parents look look out for. Parents will compromise on most everything Mm -hmm. except for the education of their children. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom didn't know what God was going to provide. But after a year of fasting and praying, uh, God gave her a job in one of the most amazing English Christian schools in India. Hmm. And uh, she got staff housing as the school nurse. Uh, We were able to stay with her, and then we were able to go to school, um, you know, there. And it was unbelievable just how extremely wealthy parents would send their kids there. And God provided that for an orphan and a widow who Hmm. cried out to him. Hmm. And so um, being a Christian school, you know, Scripture was part of our lives And uh, I was, you know, close to the Lord and I accepted him as my savior when I was 12 years old. Uh, And so I would say, uh, you know, from a salvation point of view, uh, that's when that happened. It was later when I was in the U.S. And uh, there was a time of incredible brokenness in my life where I began for the first time to understand the holiness of God, where he was so holy, he is so holy that it didn't take, you know, Adam and Eve, killing a lot of people or, you know, high crime. It was one act of disobedience mm-hmm. and that resulted in them being separated and mankind being separated from God for eternity. And, but his love being so great, that he couldn't stand the separation. And he took on himself the sin of the world and, um, uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, brought us back into the presence of our Heavenly Father. What
1: was going on to cause you to go that deep with God and ask those questions?
0: You know, uh, it, it was a time where uh, I was uh, just, uh, there, there were things that I was just struggling through uh, with, with, with my life at that point and the direction of my
1: life. Were you alone in America?
0: Uh, I was alone in America. And, uh, you know, that you, you bring up a great point. That really was where it was. Um, in India, you, you are very... Your, your family is a part of your life uh, for your whole life. You know, in, in the US you're, you're kind of uh, you know with your family till you're you know going to college then you head out to college and then you know you, you, you can move for a job. In India, uh, typically life has been where you stay close to your family. Because I was far away from my family and I was just going through this time of brokenness, um, just beginning to understand who Gar was, It was a time where I was also falling and God got a hold of me really strongly. And the reason I say I was falling is because uh, my family wasn't around me. Mm -hmm. And so the usual network of security that I had was non-existent. Mm -hmm. And so that's who I would typically go to. But this time I just had to go to God Mm -hmm. and he just got a hold of me at that time. And uh, I, I, I really, I would say for the first time, understood uh, began to understand, let me say, the depth of His holiness and the depth of His love. And it was this absence of, you know, my family that was my typical security net and God becoming hmm. the the security net, which He always yeah. was. I just didn't realize it. Yeah. And um, Him getting a hold of me in that time.
1: Maybe it's because it's Mother's Day weekend, but I'm thinking about your mother sending you away to America when she had those two sons and that was it, right?
0: Right. Right. And at that time, my brother had come to the U.S. before for his education. Oh, so she had both her sons gone. Right. And it was, uh, for her, it was very difficult for sure because we had been together as a family, uh, you know, when my dad was alive and then after my dad's death, even more so very close. And my brother and I were the the mainstays in my mom's life uh, in the Lord, you know, and as, as her children. And so... This was a very difficult time for her, and it was—I um, know—it uh, was intense for her to go mm-hmm. through that. Yeah, and uh, but she, she submitted to the Lord. She submitted to the Lord, uh, and it was uh, uh, God blessed that. And within two years of me coming here, she was able to uh, join my brother and me in good. the U.S. Good, yeah.
1: good. So after your education in the U.S., you went into the corporate world here.
0: I did uh, I, right here, you know, in Chicagoland, and loved loved being there. Uh, really enjoyed uh, working. And uh, it was what I had dreamt of doing in my whole life is come to America, you know, get this great education by God's grace. You know, for anybody coming from India, this is is a dream. And then to get a job here and um, do well in life.
1: So you were living the American dream.
0: I guess. Or even the Indian dream. You know, it was both. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody in India, like the, the top, I would say 5% of India yeah. typically are in the U S. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I was living that, that dream. And that was
1: wonderful, but what, it wasn't enough. What?
0: Uh, absolutely. It was wonderful. Um, uh, but you know, again, it's when God shows up and that is what changes everything. And, um, uh, my uh, this this time of brokenness that I went through, just beginning to realize who God was. Uh, and what it did is it it shifted my worldview. My worldview changed from going from everything I was in charge of my life, and so every decision I made, I thought about it first. Mm-hmm. Then I would consult my friends and get their advice, hmm. and then I would consult the Lord through prayer and scripture and take you know from there what suited me. Hmm. And when. I went through this this time of brokenness and understanding who God was, my entire world changed. And I realized that it wasn't my world. It was totally God. And it was His world. And it was a privilege to be a part of that. And that every decision, every thought that I had needed to start with Him and stay at His feet and end there. And so that changed every decision I made.
1: And what was the burden that God put on your heart?
0: After my dad's death, my Uncle Sammy was the father figure in my life. And he started the ministry that we have in India. Uh, It was to uh, protect young girls uh, who are in very vulnerable situations. It was also to uh, raise up young men to take the gospel into deep parts of India, rural India, into broken communities that needed transformation. And then also to start churches. And so uh, he started about, planted about 60 churches, uh, our Bible college, Hope College, uh, was started by him. And then Grace Home, our first orphanage, was started by him. He died in 1999.
1: This was going on while you were in the U.S., this getting was, trained and taking that corporate job. Right. But and you didn't it, feel called to that ministry.
0: No, no. And it, I, the, my only calling at that point was, you know, to support it financially and then through any counsel that was needed okay. on my part. But something changed. Uh, my uncle's death, every year that I went back, uh, the Lord really started putting a burden for this ministry on my heart. And I started praying and asking God who he was going to provide as the leader and the, uh, after my uncle's death, and God kept pointing back to me. And there were a couple of things that he used very strongly to, uh, to show me how urgent the situation was. Uh, one was the urgency for protecting girls who are in extremely vulnerable situations, uh, especially in the area of sex trafficking. And there was one girl in our older, in Grace Home, the orphanage my uncle started, who uh, uh, had grown up into this beautiful girl. And her mother was enslaved in prostitution in Western India. Her mother had been sold from Nepal into India for prostitution and uh, had been there from the time that she was about 10 years old, her mother to where she was now, you know, in her 20s, late 20s. And her daughter had, you know, was the 16-year-old daughter that uh, had grown up into this beautiful girl and her mother was working to lure her own daughter into prostitution. Wow. And that just, I mean, it, it it didn't just break my heart, but it just shook me to the core. And I, w- I said, if a mother can do this with her own daughter, then the people that are forcing her mother to do this, they have no conscience at all. The Lord really put on my heart that this girl needed to be protected. So I was in India, I talked with this girl and I asked her what she wanted to do. And she said, I would love to go to seminary and become an evangelist for Jesus Christ and especially take the gospel to hurting women in India. And I just knew that Satan wanted to destroy that before that ever came to any kind of fruition. So that drove my starting to research this whole area. I realized that second generation slaves, which was basically a mother who's enslaved in prostitution, when her daughter is born in the brothel in the red light district, 95% of these daughters end up in prostitution themselves. That age, the average age of a child being trafficked, has dropped from 18 in 1998 to where 8-year-old girls were freely available in 2008. Um, It's even 6- and 7-year-old girls who are being trafficked. And so as I started researching that, I said we have to get these girls who are born in these brothels, get them out of there so that they never enter this world.
1: So how could you not respond
0: to that? And God just—he—it was just—you—you you have to do this. And so, end of 2005, I left uh, the corporate world and then started um, as our own. So that's—that um, was kind of the the background of you know how the Lord called me
1: to this work. We'll find out more about the ministry as our own as we continue our conversation with Ralph Borday today on First Person. Next time, you've probably heard Charles Morris on the Haven Broadcast, but do you know his story of transformation? If we just can have the gumption to just make our way to the foot of the cross and for the rest of our lives, hang on to the cross, that's the freedom and it's only in Christ. A very personal and revealing conversation with a father and a follower of Christ. Charles Morris joins us next time on First Person. Let's get back to our conversation now with Ralph Bourdais, the CEO of As Our Own, a ministry in India. When we think of India, we, of course, think of masses of people. I ask him to help us see individuals.
0: When I'm in India, one of the areas that we work in is what would be called a red light district, which is basically an area that is a captive population thousands of women and children enslaved in prostitution. Where we work, it's about one square mile, and there are over 6,000 women and children enslaved in prostitution there.
1: It's just a way of life for them?
0: Uh, it's a way of enslavement. Yeah. I mean, they they are broken into accepting that as their way of life. Mm. And um, actually, uh, this past Christmas, we rescued, in the last three years, we've rescued... Uh, 32 girls from the red light district, uh, girls uh, in from the from six months to about uh, three, three and a half
1: years of age. Now, isn't there some danger involved in that? I mean, somebody is probably not very happy you're doing that. Uh, th-
0: there always is. And we just have to trust the Lord and the way that he is open for us, just walk in obedience and just know that it is his work and that he will care for and protect and provide for. But uh, I don't think we can do, if, if, if we're really serious about obeying God, uh, we have to give it all our all because our lives are not our own. No reserve. There's there's no reserve. You know, they were bought at a price and it was the precious blood of his son. And so we have to totally trust God with this. Um, This past Christmas, we invited the mothers of the girls that, We rescued. We we invited their mothers to come to the Christmas program that the girls did. The girls we rescue, we take care of their entire life: their food, shelter, clothing. You know, loving family care.
1: Now, just to be clear, these mothers are involved in prostitution themselves.
0: They are enslaved right now. Yes, we we have continued contact with the mothers, and then we also have uh, you know the girls in our care, and the the mothers entrust us with that, and that's a big step they take of trusting us with, the, with with their children because they have been tricked and cheated. I mean, they've been sold in there by their fathers, their husbands, their boyfriends. So there's there's not a lot of people in the world that they trust. When they came for this the Christmas program, uh, you know, as the girls, you know, doing songs in English, they did the entire nativity scene. And these two moms especially were just weeping, just bawling. And after the program, I just called them up to my office and I said, hey, are you doing Okay. And they said, yes, but we want you to promise us one thing. And this one mother said, she said, I'm 22 years old. I don't know if I'll even live to see 30. Mm. She said, I just want you to promise me that no matter what happens to me, that you will protect and care for my child for the rest of her life oh. as your own child. I said, absolutely. That is the absolute desire of, my, uh, of our hearts. And I said, just tell me, how did you end up in this situation? How did you end up in a brothel? She said, I was 11 years old and I was in a city in Eastern India. So that would be like New York here. Mm-hmm. And she said, I, I went to the school that would provide one free meal a day. And so we were so poor that my parents would send me to the school just so I could get that meal to eat. And one, one evening after school, 11 years old, fifth grade, uh, after school, I came, I came out, I came out of the school and there was this one man who saw that I was hungry and he gave me something to eat. And, I don't know what happened after that, but I started wandering, wandering the roads. I passed out. I woke up three days later. I had been trafficked from the eastern part of India to a city on the absolute western part of India. So that Which would be is like, a
1: long distance.
0: That's That would be like New York to L.A. Oh. And I woke up in a brothel I had already been sold. Oh. And there is no amount of weeping or crying or anything that you do for these men to have mercy on you. Uh, they just repeatedly beat you, lock you up. Uh, and they starve you, and it's just a repeated series of rapes where at that point you just break and accept that as your fate in life. She said, my life was broken, but things changed when a daughter was born to me after many abortions. And I said, this daughter is my new hope in life. She said, things started becoming dark for my daughter. These dark clouds started coming back into our lives when the agents of the brothels, when my daughter was about three years old, the agents came and started to offer me money for my daughter. Three how, years old. How? Three? Yeah. Actually, she was less than three at that time. She said there was no way that I was going to let my girl come into this hell that I was in. Mm-hmm. I refused the money, and so over time they started coercing me through the, you know, the brothel owner that 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 I the, of the brothel I stayed in, and other women in the brothel, and I refused to bow to that. Finally, it moved from an offer of money to coercion to just a threat, where they said, uh, "We will we will just take your daughter," and there's, the money offer is off the table now. Uh, it was just a, a direct threat to me. And she said at that time I knew that if I did not escape from there somehow with my daughter that my daughter's life was going to be in this kind of hell. She said I entered it at 11. I could not see my daughter entering it at 3. And so she was able to through the help of another woman enslaved in another brothel, but that brothel was not big on trafficking children. She was able to, with the help of that woman, escape from the brothel she was in into that brothel and that's where our staff was able to connect with her and get this girl out. And this girl, I mean, she was amazing in the Christmas play. Uh, uh, She was uh, one of the three kings, one of the three wise men that went (laughs) to visit Jesus, her daughter was. And so this woman was just, I mean, she was ecstatic that her girl would be, you know, singing English songs, reciting Psalm 23, uh, you know, doing really well in school. I mean, these girls are standing first and second in class. They're they're in the 90th percentile and above. Uh, It's amazing. And so for her, she said, whatever you do, don't let my girl ever come back to the district. Mm. But that's the reality of the situation. We, we don't think this is possible, but that is reality. This is a girl who had to escape with her life and her daughter's life into another brothel itself just to protect her from being trafficked at three, four years of
1: age. We get very sentimental about Mother's Day in this right. country, and rightfully so, right. but this puts a whole different spin on being uh, a being mother. a mother and, yes. and, the, and showing the love of a mother, doesn't right.
0: it? Uh, Absolutely. This one girl, this, her daughter is the one true source of love in her life. Everything else is absolute destruction. And she knows that she has to return that love by actually giving her daughter up into a more secure and safe and, uh, environment where she will receive love.
1: Well, what can we do to help?
0: In a way, Mother's Day, as you said, rightfully so, is, is a time where we really uh, look for ways to just honor our own mothers. And one of the things that uh, in this capacity, as we've looked at uh, these mothers who are enslaved themselves uh, and are trying to bring hope to their children. And then we have a whole staff of mothers or caretakers that pour love into the lives of these children. If you go to our website, asourown.org, on there is a Mother's Day uh, program that we have called Thanks Mom. And you can actually go on there. And in honor of your mother or or your wife or any woman in your life who has just uh, blessed you significantly, in honor of uh, the, the, this woman, you can uh, donate funds for us to be able to provide for the moms in India.
1: What a meaningful gift yes. to give to mom instead of just, I mean, do the flowers too. I mean, that, right. that's important. Yes. But what a meaningful gift to give to mom to, that knows that your heart is to reach out to a mother and a daughter yes. in India who uh, stands in desperate need of help.
0: Yes. And this help will will help to transform three lives. One is the life of the, the woman who's enslaved in the brothel, uh, the girl who is her daughter, and then the mom who is on staff with us who's caring for her girl. Okay. And you can actually go to the Thanks Mom uh, initiative on our website and even download a certificate that you can then give your mother that you uh, you know, are this uh, woman that you are uh, uh, donating to, the special woman that you are donating for. So you provide the
1: card, the we certificate. Pro- we provide the certificate <laughs> for them to be able to give to the special woman in their life. It's called Thanks Mom. It's called Thanks Mom. And asourown.org Great. is the website. That's we'll put that at the firstpersoninterview.com website as well. But asourown.org. Uh, Ralph, God bless you. Thank uh, you. I mean, as you look back now on what God has done to uh, turn your heart back home, as they say, right, home to India, right. Uh, you must be very grateful to God.
0: Yes, uh, this is a complete privilege. Uh, it's really to see God at work, and I really see Him as having given me the privilege of just having like 50-yard line seats to watching Him do amazing things, and it's it's amazing things to protect children that are very precious to Him. Um, just in you know, real quick, you know, as own comes from. Uh, Esther 2.7, where it says, Mordecai took care of Hadassah, or Esther, as his own child because her father and mother had died. Mm-hmm. And that gave him the right to influence her in a, an amazing way, where later, uh, for such a time as this, she was able to be used to save the nation of Israel. And we would love for these girls to grow up and be just a redeeming
1: light in India to bring uh, the light and love of Jesus Christ there. What an inspiring work there in India. Well, it happens sometimes. We run out of radio time before we run out of conversation. So we continue to talk here in the studio with Ralph, and we've placed that additional segment to the interview on our website. In it, Ralph explains how the ministry includes the training and encouragement of pastors and churches. If you'd like to listen to the extra segment, we've placed it in the audio archive at FirstPersonInterview.com. Now, before we close, I'd like to remind you of that opportunity that Ralph presented today to honor mothers this weekend. If you'd like to give a gift to rescue a child and honor your mom or grandmother in the process, just go to firstpersoninterview.com and follow the links to As Our Own. This ministry is so effective in meeting needs in India. My own mother is no longer living, but I've given a gift in her memory. Start with the link you'll find at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, our guest will be Charles Morris of The Haven Broadcast. And now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Looking forward to being with you again next week here on First Person.